0: Good morning. We appreciate the enthusiasm, Wes. Will you stand? Let's worship together. There is only one name that matters, Jesus Christ.
1: And there truly is something special about that name in that Wright-Kavanaugh church. And to know who that person is, that being Jesus, and who sits on the throne right now, that's awesome. That's awesome. Amen? Amen. I'm so thankful for who Jesus is and what he has done for us, the sacrifice he made, and that on that third day he rose, and now he does sit on the throne. He is in control, and I can full assuredly have my hope uh, placed in him, and I know that he will never, ever fail us. Amen? It's so good. I'm so thankful that you're here today. It is so good to have you back here at Kavanaugh Church. So thankful that you've made it a, uh, a, a, a plan today to be in the Lord's house faithfully coming back with the body to worship and to grow and to learn even more from our Lord and Savior as we are called to do. So it is very special to have you here today. If you're a first time guest, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, again, we love our church. We love our people and we love everything that's going on and we want to make sure that you know all about it. So if you would fill out the little guest card in the chair back that's just right there in front of you. Um, we would love to again tell you all about our church. You can take that little guest card uh, right after service out these back doors. There's there's a guest counter there, and we would love to fill you in and meet your family, okay? But we've been praying for you all week, and we love you, and we're again, we're so glad that you're here. I would love for, to ask you to all stand up, and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Great to see everyone. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you, and again, thank you for bringing us back, back into your place, God. And Lord, I pray that everything that happens in this room over the next hour or so... You just get all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, God, from the, these next few moments of worship to when Brother Will is preaching to our receptiveness to the message, God. I pray that you just get receive all of us and you have all of us, God. There might be someone even in this room that doesn't know about you and how great that you truly are and understand that love that you have for them. Lord, I pray that as the message is brought today, that salvation might be had in this room, that they come to a true understanding, uh, to the true understanding of saving grace, and they receive you as their Savior today, God. We pray for that, because we believe in miracles that happen. We believe that there is a God that who is here with us right here and now, and we believe that you can change lives. So, Lord, have your way in this place today. But for the rest of us, God, help us to grow and to be a better version of what you want us to be, God, following in your example and being ready to present your word and your love to a lost and dying world. We love you so much. In your name, amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a couple seconds.
0: says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. And if you're a believer in this house today, that is your story. So let's sing this next song and remember the day that we met Jesus. And can look at us without seeing you, can't hear our voice without hearing you because, God, we, we just want to reflect your glory. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who, who doesn't know you in that way, who, who doesn't walk with you, who doesn't take you with them, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would be overcome by your presence. Lord, that they would set everything else aside and they would come to you. Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this service.
2: God is good, let's give him praise right now together. Would you do that with me? Thank you Lord, thank you for being here today. Uh, Today in the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna preach a, a little series, a mini series on a subject called Pray and Go. It's something that we're gonna be doing in our C groups over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna be praying and going, going and praying. So just get ready to pray and go, all right? You with me? I want you to imagine this scenario. Our city council here in Fort Smith passes an ordinance that preaching on controversial topics is considered hate speech. And because our church is unapologetically committed to the whole counsel of God, we preach the whole word in love. Because of that, myself and some of our pastors are arrested. Criminal charges are filed, and a trial date is set. In fact, the city authorities threaten that if we don't comply, the doors of our buildings will be chained shut, and we can no longer meet. I wonder, what do you think our church's immediate response—can I just—that is not too far-fetched. Okay? What would be our church's immediate response to that? Would we be scared into compliance, worried that we might lose members and money? Would we go out and hire an attorney? Would we mount a protest march in downtown Fort Smith? Would we appeal to the state and federal Supreme Court on the basis of separation between church and state? Would several of us call the governor, Miss Sarah, (laughs) and ask for help. What in the world would we do? Before you answer that, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to discover that this very same thing happened to the early church, and we're going to see what they did. Now, here's what happened just before. Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. As they walk up the steps to the gate that is called Beautiful to enter into the temple, there lying beside the gate is this man who has been lame from birth. He cannot walk. Later on in the passage, we find out that the man is 40 years old. So for 40 years, he has been a cripple. Every day his friends pick him up and carry him to the gate which is called Beautiful, and there daily he would beg for alms, that is, he would beg for money. And as Peter and John entered through that gate, they caught the eye of this man. He looked intently at them thinking they were going to give him some money, but instead, here's what Peter said, I'm sorry friend, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. (laughs) A whole lot better than any cash. The Bible says they helped him to his feet and all of a sudden his legs were strengthened and he could walk. For the first time in 40 years he took a step under his own power. He went into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. And it stirred some commotion. Because most people around there knew this lame man. Some of them had known him all of his life. They knew he had never taken a step. And here he was, walking, leaping, and praising God. And it caught their attention. They gathered around and asked, what in the world has happened to this man? Peter and John saw what was happening and they opened their mouth and they started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling the crowd, it's the power of God that healed this man. And the only way you can be saved from your sins is to repent and trust Jesus. They preached the resurrected Lord. Well, the temple guards didn't like what was going on. There was a commotion, and so they seized Peter and John and threw them into jail. Quick time out before I continue this story. On that day, 5,000 men confessed Jesus and were saved. doesn't tell us how many women and children did, but it was a whole lot. A revival broke out. The the temple guards could not stand to see this and so they threw Peter and John into jail. The next day there was a hearing and the apostles were commanded, they were threatened, you stop preaching this business of Jesus. Now can I tell you something, church? You can arrest preachers, but you cannot arrest the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they replied, we hear what you're telling us, but we must obey God, not men. And we cannot but help proclaim what we have seen and felt and heard about Jesus Christ. Well, they didn't know what to do with Peter and John. Finally, they threatened them never to preach in Jesus' name again and released them. They returned to where Their church regularly gathered. And what did the early church do? Did they hire an attorney? (laughs) Did they appeal to Caesar? Did they conduct a protest down the city streets of Jerusalem? No. They took an entirely different approach. When Peter and John were released having been sternly warned and threatened to no longer preach the gospel, here's what happened Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, when the church heard that, they raised their voice to God in one accord and they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything that is in them. Listen to me Kavanaugh Church, we are in a spiritual battle. We today are in a spiritual warfare and our mightiest weapon is the same weapon that these believers had in Acts chapter four 2,000 years ago. That weapon, the power of prayer. Look at verse 24 again. So when they heard about these threats, They raise their voice to God with one accord. I've been praying all this past week that the Spirit of God get a hold of our lives this morning and that the Spirit of God and the Word of God would encourage us today as we spend the next three weeks to focus on two great objectives. And the first is this, that we pray for our community like we've never prayed for our community before. There is a world outside these walls that is lost and they're dying and they're on their way to hell. And those are real people that live on your street. They're real people who live right around this church. They need Jesus. And you tell me, Kavanaugh Church, what good is it really doing us in the kingdom If all we do is come in here on Sunday morning and hear some great songs, which we do, and hear an encouraging message, but it doesn't change us, it doesn't move us, we just go back out there in the real world and don't care a thing about these people who need the Lord. What I'm calling you to do today as a church is let's get a burden for the real people who we rub shoulders with every day and let's pray for them like we've never prayed for them before not only that I'm praying that there would be gospel saturation and that we would have revival listen to me Jesus has given us a mission to proclaim the life-transforming gospel to our city and our nation. And empowered by the Spirit, we can make a difference in our city. We can make a difference in this world, just like the early church did in the books of Acts. So let me dissect this story and this prayer that's going on here that we can learn from this morning. The first thing that I see are threatening circumstances. Look at me. When was the last time you were threatened? And not by your wife to pick up your clothes. (laughs) I mean, when someone really threatens you. Have, Have you ever been threatened? These guys were. Verse 24, when they heard that, well, when they heard what? When they heard about how the apostles had been commanded and threatened that they were to stop preaching Jesus. Guys, as long as we are faithful, there will always be threatening circumstances. We shouldn't be surprised when adversity comes our way. Listen, the work of the Spirit of Christ through the church of Jesus Christ will always be met with opposition. We see it throughout the book of Acts and we also see it throughout church history. Why? Because the devil hates God. And he has tried since the fall from heaven to do everything he can to stop the work of God. Not only does the devil hate God, the devil hates you as a Christian. He wants to destroy you, your life, your family. Not only that, understand this, the devil hates non-believers. So he will do everything within his power to keep them from hearing the gospel that can save them. So the conclusion is, threatening circumstances are going to come to every one of us sooner or later. The devil is going to guarantee that. Jesus promised that in this world we would have tribulation. In this world, we would experience trouble and affliction and persecution. The Bible tells us that we're not to be surprised when fiery trials come our way. Neither are we to fret and worry. Why? Because God is going to use these circumstances for our good and for his glory if they lead us to the next thing, which is desperate prayer. Threatening circumstances should lead us to desperate prayer. Verse 24 says, when they heard that, they raised their voices in prayer. When was the last time that you had a circumstance in your life that was so threatening, so life-changing, so shakening to the core of your being that you dropped to your knees and started praying to God? Let me back up and ask you this. What is your first instinct when you are faced with threatening circumstances? What happens on the inside of you when your world is shaken and starts falling apart? What happens when bad news comes your way, like a cancer diagnosis? Or you lose your job? Or your teenager rebels? What do you do? Do you worry? Is there fear, anxiety, anger? Do you, do you look for comfort in something that is sinful? When faced with threatening circumstances, here's what the people of God do. Here's what true believers do. People of faith and devotion to Jesus get on their knees and they raise their voice to God. This is the pattern and the source of our power as believers and as a church. We see it throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. What did they do when they faced perilous times? They prayed. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. It was this prayer life that produced the power that amazed the authorities in Jerusalem. When all of this transpired and took place in Acts chapter four, it says that these authorities looked at Peter and John and they were absolutely amazed. Because why? They were uneducated and unlearned men. Now when it says that, it doesn't mean that they were a couple of dummies, What it means is they had not been trained in rabbinical schools. They were uneducated in the law of the Old Testament. But there was something in their lives and it was visible. It says even though they were untrained and uneducated, they took note of the fact that these men, Peter and John, had been with Jesus. That's what made the difference for them. They had been with Jesus. Their communion with Jesus is what fueled their lives with power in the Holy Spirit. And their desperate prayer is what gave them the power to saturate and shake their city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, I ask you, have have you been to that point in your life when when your world is just falling apart and crumbling and, and you're driven to your knees in prayer? It's a desperate prayer you realize that your only hope is in God. If you're going to make it out of this mess, it's going to be God that gets you out of the mess. Have you been there? Well, take note of of what I'm saying, because if you haven't, you will be. And so you cry out to God in an extraordinary way. You cry out to God like you never have before. You cry out to God because you know He is the only one who can change your circumstances. Jonathan Edwards was one of the most influential pastors in United States history. He pastored a church in New England way back in the 1700s. And he recognized that his church needed God to send revival. So he wrote this little booklet. Let me, I, pu- I put the name of the booklet on the screen because you need to see it. Jonathan Edwards' little booklet. It was entitled, A Humble Attempt to promote explicit agreement and visible union of God's people in extraordinary prayer for the revival of religion and the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. That was the title of the book. How would you like listening to him preach every Sunday if that was just his title, all right? 29 words in that title. That's a book right there. But but here's what caught my attention about this and why I'm, I'm bringing it up. He called for, here's his words, extraordinary prayer for God to send revival to his church and expand the kingdom of Christ. What in the world is extraordinary prayer? Well, simply put, it is beyond what we ordinarily do. That's what it is. It's more than we are currently doing. Listen to me, it is taking prayer to the next level in our lives and in our church. And that is what I am challenging you to do today. Take your prayer life to the next level. What would extraordinary prayer look like in your life right now? You would be amazed at the difference it would make. If you put prayer to God as a priority of your your life, listen, if you would spend 30 minutes a day in prayer and Bible study, I guarantee you it would make a difference in your life. You say, preacher, I just don't have an extra 30 minutes. Don't give me that. You have time to do whatever you want to do. Amen? Amen? Do you believe that if you were to make the effort toward extraordinary prayer, that God would bless you and reward you for it? I do. I believe that. What kind of change would it mean for your family if you did the extraordinary for them? Real specifically, if you've got kids and grandkids What would happen in their lives if you spent an extra amount of time every day interceding and praying for them? My lens, it would make all the difference in the world. And can I tell you, our kids and grandkids need that today like never before. I I told the people in the first service, man, I can remember growing up in the the challenges I had. Eric, I was talking to you about it. We, We grew up in the Man, we were in the 70s, dude. We were, we were in high school in the 70s, and it was wild, wasn't it? Really, it was. Went to Coronado High School in, in Lubbock, Texas, and I can remember between classes, kids would go out and they'd smoke joints, you know, and walk back in the room, and the, the whole room would smell like a joint. You know? I, I don't know? I don't know what kids are doing today, probably smoking it in the room. I don't know. But however bad it was for you when you were growing up, let me tell you, it is worse for our kids right now. And can I tell you, they need a mama and a daddy and some grandparents who love them enough that they're going to do the extraordinary for them and crying out to God for them. Let me just ask you, if you don't pray for your kids, who's going to? What difference would it make in your family if you prayed for your kids? I wonder, what would extraordinary prayer look like for our church? You know something? We're about to find out. We're, really, we're about to find out. What, what is this pray and go thing all about? Well, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing something Extraordinary. You're gonna learn about it today or this week when you go to your C group class. But what it is is pray and go. It's real simple, it's not hard. We're gonna go out by twos, two by two, and we're just gonna walk the streets of Fort Smith. So if your C group is meeting at an off-campus location, y'all will do it on the streets wherever you pick around your home. If you're doing it up here at church, we're we're gonna zone out certain streets that you're going to go to and, and it's, it's not going to be a hard thing. You're not going to have a face-to-face encounter with anybody. You're just going to be walking down the streets of Fort Smith and praying for the families who live in those homes on those streets. So you're walking down the street and there's a house right there. I don't know the people who live in that house, but you know what? God knows them. I don't know the troubles they're having in that house, but God knows the troubles they're having in their house. And as me and my partner are walking by their house, we're just going to stop in front of their house and pray a simple prayer. Lord, would you please be with these folks in this house? Whatever they're going through, I pray that Jesus would give them the answer. Let them know right now that somebody loves them and there is a church praying for them. And you're going to go up and put a little door hanger on their doorknob that says, Kavanaugh Church prayed for you today. And then you're just going to go on down the street and do it to the next house. You say, well, that, that, that ain't going to do anything. Oh, yeah, it is. Why? Because we believe in the power of prayer. People need to be prayed for. And I think it is the first step in opening not only their homes, but their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. What would happen if our church did something extraordinary? Well, let's just do it and find out. But Jonathan Edwards knew that it would take more than just praying. It would take people praying in agreement and in unity. And that's the next thing that we see in our passage. Not only these threatening circumstances and this prayer that they prayed, but also visible unity. Verse 24 says, they raised their voices with one accord. We're told that upon their release, they went to their own people. That means that they had Christ-centered relationships, and they immediately huddled up with those other believers, and they prayed. They reported what had happened, and guess what broke out? A prayer meeting. I wonder, do you have that circle of people in your life that you can run to for support when life threatens you? when your cosmos becomes chaos, when your world falls apart? Do you have people that love you enough and care for you enough who will intercede for you? That's what the church is for. And that's why we have seed groups. They are intended to foster this kind of unity in prayer and in fellowship. Why? Because it is important that we pray alone. But it's also important that we pray together. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, 19. If just two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. Listen to me, there is power in God's people praying with visible unity. There is power when we come together and pray as the family of faith. And that visible unity is fueled by confident hope look at verse 24a they raised their voices together in prayer to God and I want you to take note of the prayer that they prayed. I want you to see how God-centered their prayer was before they started asking God for anything they filled their minds and their hearts with facts that they knew were true about God For example, look at verse 24, how they started their prayer. Sovereign Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Sovereign Lord means you are ruler of the universe. And you know what our God is? He is King of kings and he is Lord of lords. Earthly authorities have to bow down to the ultimate authority in heaven of our sovereign Lord. He is the God of creation. Notice what they prayed. God, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Guess what? Everything is in God's control. Now, sometimes when your world is spinning out of control, you question, is God aware of this? Does God know what's going on? Does God even care? The answer is yes. An emphatic yes. Why? Because he made it. He holds it in the palm of his hand and he controls it. And he is sovereign over it. Even when you can't see it, when the right time comes, God is going to answer your prayer. He is the God who reveals himself. Look at verses 25 and 26. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage? And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Lord and God of us all. My lands. The enemies of God think they are in control. But you know what? They're not in control. God is in control. Verse 27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Guys, let me tell you, when we have this vision of God, no threatening circumstance can discourage us. Our God is sovereign and nothing it's too hard for him. Nothing is beyond his reach or his power. And with that vision of God firmly planted in their minds and their heart, they finally got down to asking God for something. Here is their request, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. What an awesome prayer. In fact, I've I've just got to step back and chuckle a little bit. Do you see what they asked for? They were praying for the very thing that got them into hot water in the first place. They were praying for the very thing they were in trouble for. They were not praying for comfort or convenience in their life. They were praying for the Lord to grant them the ability to be faithful, to do what he had called them to do, and that is to be a bold witness for the gospel of Christ. So they were praying for God to enable them to do what they could do, but then they prayed for God to do what only he could do. Look at verse 30. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Listen to me, church. That kind of praying is unstoppable. The devil hates it, but he can't stop it. And so notice what happened in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness the prayer went up the power came down and the proclamation went forth God has obligated himself to move on behalf of people who face their threatening circumstances with desperate prayer visible unity and confident hope in God listen to me guys when we pray God moves When the prayer goes up, the power comes down. And there is a real-time connection between our praying and the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of other people. So if you didn't get that, let me read the verse again, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit And they spoke the word of God with boldness. God, would you do it again? Lord, would you do the same thing with us? He's willing. The question is, are you? What I'm asking you to do today is pray. Many of you are in this room and maybe maybe you've never said that first prayer. That first prayer where you admit that you're a sinner and you realize your need for a Savior and you confess your sins and invite Jesus into your life and he saves you and changes you. Let me tell you, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, look at me. It's only a prayer away. All it takes is a prayer and you can do it today. For those of you who are Christians, my goodness, let's come and talk to the Father today. Why in the world would you walk out of this room carrying heavy burdens and weights and watching your world spin out of control when He, the Sovereign Lord, has the answers? Why don't you just come and talk to Him? He'll make a difference. If you do something extraordinary, and that is move from where you're seated and come down and kneel before him and pray, he is going to hear and he is going to answer. What difference will it make if we do something extraordinary as a church and start praying for our neighbors and our friends and our family members who don't know Jesus I'm ready to see, are you ready to pray? I guarantee you right now, there's somebody on your heart. God's putting them right there on your heart. Somebody you know, maybe it's a family member that's lost and they need Jesus. Immediately, two names pop into my head because I pray for these two guys every single day. They're in my extended family and I know they're not living for Jesus. I know that they're lost. I know if they were to die today, they would go to hell. And let me tell you, I love them enough to be praying for them and to speak to them about Jesus in their life. So as God puts those people on your heart, why don't you come and intercede for them this morning? What difference does prayer make? Goodness, it makes all the difference in the world. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would hear our prayers this morning, and I pray, dear Lord, that you would answer them. As we cry out to you, I pray, dear Jesus, that you would intervene, that you would move, that you would make a difference. Lord, I believe there's someone in this room or watching online that's never received Jesus as their personal Savior. And so I pray that today they would pray that prayer and invite Jesus into their heart Lord, the rest of us, well, we just need to come and pray, don't we, Lord? So help us to have the freedom to step out and to come to you and and pray, dear Lord, just to talk to you. Do something amazing in this prayer time, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, as they sing. Why don't you just slip out from where you're standing? and fill these altars and pray. Do, do the right thing today. Come and pray. Lord, we do pray that as the prayers go up, your power would come down and that the proclamation would go forth. Thank you for this inspiring passage of scripture. And I pray dear Lord that we would be moved to extraordinary prayer. Thank you for everyone in this room. I pray a blessing on their lives and their families And I pray, dear Lord, an extraordinary blessing on our church as we pray and go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Thanks for being here today, guys. Um, Get involved in a C group. If if you need more information, we have information on our information counter out this door. Just for a couple of weeks, our C groups are going to meet, and we're going to do this thing called Pray and Go. It's going to be awesome as we pray for our community and let them know that we love them. So get to a C group this week. If you're a member of Kavanaugh Church, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes as you walk out the door. And come back on Wednesday night. It's going to be youth night. I'm excited. So the youth are going to go from their room into this room. They're going to lead us in worship. And I don't Nathan, are you preaching? Yes. Okay, brother, brother yeah, I think you are. Yeah, brother Nathan's preaching. And the teens are going to lead us in worship. It's going to be a great, great Wednesday night. If you have a teenager that is graduating high school or a young person who is graduating college, uh, we need to make sure that they get signed up on one of the iPads out in the lobby, because on May 21st, we're going to honor all of our graduates. And here's, here's my last announcement. It's for the ladies, so men, just tune me out, which is easy for you to do. Just tune me out. Ladies, tune me in. Bunko, Thursday night. How's that? Now, let me tell you, first service ladies, they just went crazy. They were jumping up and down, hooting and hollering because they looked so forward to Bunko. So let me say it again, ladies, Thursday night, Bunko. Six o'clock, all right, good deal. In all seriousness, I, I, I want the church to be in prayer for the Davis family. Wayne Davis passed away last night. Wayne, Wayne was one of these pillars of Kavanaugh Church one of the the most faithful genuine true believers i have ever met in my life he was the real deal wayne davis uh, for the last couple of years he's really struggled with health issues and uh, finally last night god promoted brother wayne and he's no longer in pain no longer suffering he's uh, he's walking leaping and praising god down the streets of gold all right But do pray for his family. Pray for his wife, Wanda, all his kids and grandkids, great-grandkids. I don't know when the funeral is going to be, probably midweek, and I'm sure it will be here at Cavanaugh Church, but be in prayer for them. God bless you. I love you. And more than that, the Lord loves you. Have a great week. We'll see you.